Welcome back, everybody. I am meteorologist Dave Turley, joined as always with meteorologist Andrew Gordon for another edition of our WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast. Andrew, how are you doing over there? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, we have uh, a whole page full of things to talk about here today. There's a lot going on here. Springtime is here, and that means severe weather season, and it also means getting ready for hurricane season and an outlook that was just issued. Yes, today we are recording this on Thursday, April 8th, and we are, I think, about 54 days about yeah for from the official start of hurricane season. But as you mentioned, Colorado State normally is the first one to put out their uh, prediction their seasonal outlook of what they think the hurricane season is going to look like and they did release their uh, first edition of um, what they think the 2021 hurricane season is going to be you want to talk a little bit about that one yeah and you know it, it just like last year it looks like it could be above average now what average is looks back at the data from 1981 to 2010 averaging number of hurricanes uh, or name storms, hurricanes, and major hurricanes. And the averages for those specifically would be 12.1 for name systems, 6.4 for hurricanes, and 2.7 for major hurricanes. Now, they're calling for 17 name storms, 8 hurricanes, and 4 major hurricanes, all of which would be above average. Now, the last five years, we have been above average based on this, you know, 1981 to 2010 scale. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if we had a sixth above average year based on this data coming up. Yeah, and there's a couple of factors what Colorado State was looking at as to why they're thinking it's going to be, you know, a slightly above average season. One of the main reasons they're looking at is the lack of an El Nino. And anytime you hear El Nino, uh, that is usually a good thing for us here in the Atlantic Basin. Mm-hmm. Uh, for keeping the uh, hurricane count or suppressing the amount of tropical energy, I should say, uh, for allowing those storms to develop. Uh, and uh, with the lack of an El Nino, uh, a little bit more maybe of a, of a neutral or La Nina type of setup, that would usually tend to favor a little bit more activity here in the Atlantic Basin, which includes the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, and into the Caribbean Sea. So that is the main reason uh, they're thinking that we might be slightly above average. There's another reason out there as well. Yeah, I want to talk about La Nina just for a second because, it, you know, these terms, we throw them around. And when, when you watch us on, on TV, we only have, you know, a handful of minutes to talk to you guys about the forecast itself and not why something's happening, which is, you know, fun for us to be able to have these podcasts. And with La Nina's, you know, cyclically, you'll see those every three to five years or so. And Dave just mentioned that El Nino's have warmer water out in the Pacific. Well, La Nina's would be colder Pacific water. And you're like, oh, well, cold. That's great. That means that no energy or less energy. Well, what happens is that with that colder water over the Pacific, you actually get subsidence in the atmosphere, which is just a fancy word for sinking or suppression of any rising motion and long story short that can support easterly wind over what we call the main development region or mdr and that means that if you've got tropical cyclones trying to form up that's going to help them and not hurt them so it's kind of like a domino effect of things to come in that being said even when there are el ninos you're still going to have some sort of you know hurricanes this that whatever throughout the throughout the atlantic season but uh, this would favor potentially a little bit above average of activity-wise, and that is what Colorado State's going with for now. Yeah, and the La Nina conditions usually will favor 
uh, more of uh, activity out in par, uh, parts of the uh, western areas of the Pacific yeah. as opposed to the eastern Pacific. But the Atlantic, yeah, that all bets are off when it comes to that here coming up for this upcoming season. Um, one of the other reasons we're, we're looking at an above-average season, Colorado State is forecasting that, is we're looking at sea surface temperatures, which are yeah. in the Atlantic still running a little bit above uh, what the averages are and uh, very warm. So that really is the fuel for the storms. you got the fuel to start there. If conditions are right, you definitely can have those storms tend to develop at any particular time. Yeah, you know, this is how I think of it, and I've never, like, said this out loud, so I don't know how much sense it's going to make. <laughs> but, you know, obviously you've got the fuel – the energy, that thermal energy for storms here as you get into the middle of the summer. And if they're about average, I think once you get above 77 uh, surface temperature-wise, that's when storms can really get going. So you get over that threshold. But if you're already a little bit above that, even if it's just a degree or two, that could be the difference between a category of a storm. So the way that I kind of think of it is, you know, either way, the water is going to make these storms go, kind of like the low-grade gas in your car. You add a, a degree or two to that, you're bumping it up to middle grade it might perform a little bit more so so that's kind of the analogy i've always used in my head maybe that helps i don't know how accurate it is scientifically but it, it's just another way to look at it yeah and that's uh, really something we have to look forward to for the upcoming season is really kind of the those windows of opportunity even though the overall conditions are going to be there with more of a neutral maybe a la nina lack of an el nino and uh, above average sea surface temperatures, it all really depends on what's going on with the upper level wind patterns as yeah. well. There's always that little window of opportunity for these storms to develop. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But it's really uh, just a time right now just to be prepared. You know, know yeah. that if we are living in this area that we all need to be concerned about any type of tropical activity moving in their area. Have a plan. Make sure your homeowner's insurance is uh, up to date and uh, ready to go in, in proper order for whatever your home is. Maybe you had some additions or upgrades to your home. Make sure your home insurance will cover that uh, for that added expense. And again, now's the time while we're not officially in hurricane season to go ahead and get that stuff done. And you know, even just personally, you know, we, we talk about this every year and you might just, you know, your eyes might glaze over or whatever, but People move into our, you know, low country coastal empire communities every year that I've never been here before. Maybe people retire here. You got a lot of military family friends that maybe have never lived in an area that would be prone to tropical storms, hurricanes, and even just people that move locally. I'm in a different zone for evacuation than I was the past few seasons because I moved. So, you know, I, I even have to go and review that too. So things change in people's lives, and, and I think it's worth reviewing it, even if, you know, it only takes a few minutes. Well, you're going to be at work anyway, so. I will. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be Jamie that has to worry about that. Uh, tell my neighbors. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and exactly. There's a lot of people that come down. This is a good retirement place. A lot of people enjoy the weather down here, but it's something that you don't think about. You have to know Hey, if we have to evacuate, well, where, how do I get there? What, what roads do I take? Some roads are going to be closed. I-16 is probably going to be going out just westerly, and you can't come easterly and try to get a different way that you might think you're going to take. So mm -hmm. it's always good to review where you're going to go, what you're going to take with you, and know the, appropri the appropriate amount of time that you have to get out if a storm was to threaten our area. And, you know, we're talking about the above average potential here, and, and this could be the 60s in a row that we see above average, but we saw a crazy above average 2020, and the local impacts themselves were not that high. You know, it, it goes both ways. It takes one storm to impact your community 
and it's a bad season. You know, we can say, uh, you know, the Atlantic Basin is a lot of space, you know, and, and to just specify for us here in the low country and coastal empire, can't do that months in advance. You just can't. We can look at the overall pattern, and we had 30 name storms in 2020, 12 of which, you know, made landfall in the continental U.S., five in Louisiana. They had a terrible year. That was ridiculous. But we didn't really have a bad year here. You know, we have a wooden table in front of we're us. We're knocking on wood. But I'm just right saying now. you had a crazy busy year in which we were mostly unscathed. But then, you know, what if there was an El Nino and you're like, oh, you know, activity in general should be lower than it has been the past, you know, half decade or so. But that's the year we get hit. You know, that's why you, you have to understand the science behind it. But whether it's projected to be a below average, above average, neutral season, doesn't matter. That one storm is the one that matters if it's coming to your house. I always throw out the year for Hurricane Andrew in, in South yeah, in South Florida there. It was a very a quiet season, but the one storm was, of course, the big one, Hurricane Andrew, which just devastated South Florida. So, as you mentioned, it only takes one. Always good to be prepared. Now, uh, there are going to be some changes coming up here for this uh, 2021 season. National Hurricane Center is implementing uh, because, making some changes because of what we've seen the past several years. It's been a pretty active not only with the amount of storms, but when they actually form. We've seen a lot of these storms kind of develop now into the beginning of May. And hurricane season, or at least sometime during the month of May, I should say. Uh, but hurricane season doesn't officially start until June 1st. So that's when the Hurricane Center will start issuing their advisories, to issuing their, um, their tropical weather outlooks. They're going to be changing that up a little bit this year. Yeah, you know, they're going to start doing those daily briefings more so in the middle of the month. You know, they're getting a head start on this, the 15th of May. And, you know, you and I have have talked with folks from the National Hurricane Center in the past, but you most recently got to earlier this week. What were some of the things that you got to talk about? Yeah, and that was actually one of the things I, I was asking them is that um, they're changing this year and putting out starting their tropical weather outlooks earlier into May 15th. And even though the Atlantic Basin hurricane season starts June 1st, there are other different zones across the world where they have hurricane season. That's not all areas are June 1st through the end of November. If you go into the Eastern Pacific, they actually start, I believe it's May 15th, sometime around that. It's, it's uh, about two weeks before the start of our season. And then that's different than the Central Atlantic or Pacific, which is going to be different than the Western Pacific. They all have different times of when they have their hurricane season. So if we're already going out and looking at the extending, beginning the tropical weather outlooks earlier, I actually asked the Hurricane Center if they're thinking of maybe changing the official start of hurricane season. And they said that is something that they are definitely going to be looking at and taking all this data of how these storms are forming earlier, why they're forming earlier. And that could be something that we see down the road. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. I think, you know, a number like one, June 1st, is ingrained in all of our brains. It's a lot easier to, to remember than maybe the 15th. But, you know, at the same time, if you've got a handful of the last years or a few of them out of the last five that have had systems that have developed before the official start to hurricane season, I mean, how many of those can you have in a row without at least addressing it? And I think that's that's the path that they're on right now. Yeah, the trend is definitely upward right now. The other uh, change that they were talking about is uh, naming the storms. Now, the World Meteorology meteorological organization. That's always a tough word it for is. me it's to a say. Hard one. I, I know it's my field, but it's a tough one to say. The WMO basically is how we shorten that one up. Uh, they are the official a- agency which uh, names the storms, but the National Hurricane Center is kind of part of that area. So 
Um, they always have had, if you run out of the name list, the alphabet, the, uh, the regular alphabet, that they go into the Greek letters. Now, we've only had two seasons ever before where we've actually used the Greek alphabet. The first one was, I believe, 2005, uh, which was a very active season. And then last year, and then we also had a lot of these very powerful storms did a lot of damage with the Greek alphabet name. So the change coming up this year is that the WMO and the National Hurricane Center are no longer going to be using Greek names for the storms. They're going to have a separate list. If we run out of the regular names on the list, they're going to have a different subset of names coming up here to replace the Greek names. And the reason they're doing that is because they had a lot of trouble uh, in different parts of the Atlantic Basin with the Greek letter, how they're pronouncing them. There's a lot of them kind of right next together, beta, theta, eta, zeta, all those ones there that are, and people got confused uh, which storm was which because there were some storms there at the same time impacting kind of the same region. And then another reason that they're thinking of doing that is because they're retiring two of the named storms from last year, the Greek names, Mm -hmm. and then what do you replace it with? You can't really replace it with it because the Greek alphabet is it's, a Greek it's alphabet. It's like a letter, you know. It's not. It's not a name. Exactly. So that's why uh, they are going to be changing that for the upcoming 2021 season. Yeah. So after, if we got through the W, hopefully not in 2021, it would go back to an A. So it would yes. just be a different A name than starting off with Anna, Bill, uh, Claudette. You know, it would be different ABCs. It would just kind of re regroup back up, probably. You know, by the end of September, October, November. If that were the case, that's when it would happen. Yeah, and let's hope we don't no, get to see but that. We're learning stuff now. Hopefully that we don't have to use later. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's, a, that's a quick little look of the upcoming 2021 hurricane season. Again, it's always good to be prepared for that. And it's always good to be prepared for severe weather as well. Thankfully, we've been pretty quiet here this year. Although last year, we're coming up on an anniversary when it was pretty active out there, especially for yeah. you and Cutter in the, in the mornings when you were dealing with that. You know, there were just so many changes all at once this time of the year last year because nobody knew what COVID was exactly. We were all trying to be safe. That included you and myself working from home. That's its own challenge. Put on top of that, active severe weather season, you know, right in the heart of it for us. And we're talking about tornadoes damaging wind. April, May, that's when it happens for us typically the most often, and it did. You know, April 13th is when we had the EF4 tornado go through Hampton County, and it was it was a rough morning. I mean, I think Cutter and I did what we could, and Cutter was still in the studio, so that's that's normal. But trying to, you know, usually we, we kind of have like a brainwave, and, and he and I have worked together for so long that we just gel really well when, when we're wall-to-wall and doing severe weather coverage, and having to have kind of like a, a messenger at one of the producers in between us, like me, like raise my hand up when I'm at home in my guest bedroom, like, Hey, I've got new info. He needs a break from talking. Let me, you know, interject this so that he can go get a sip of water or whatever. You know, it's just a whole different way of, of working. And I'm glad that we're not doing that, but the day itself was, was pretty historic. Yeah. And you had that, and it was an early morning, which is kind of rare. A lot of times we'll have those afternoon, evening storms, mm-hmm. especially ones that work in from the West, uh, you know, move through Alabama and can hold together that line of storms working in. Uh, this one came through early in the morning and I, I believe it was uh, probably sometime, what, like six to 7 a.m. or something like, like it, that. It, it was, was early. It definitely was not daylight out yet because um, yeah. it was during the, during the morning show. Yeah. We, yeah. Got to, we got to a point where morning show was just me and Cutter. And, and, you know, we saw the tornado debris signature 
on uh, the radar. And we knew that at that point, we were getting debris signatures of, you know, typically would be limbs, shingles, things like that, lofted over 20,000 feet up. I mean, you just, there's a point in which you know what's going on and you try to communicate that with people the best way you can. But if we had one thing on our side that day, it was how close it was to the radar. Because the closer that whatever you're trying to get an image of is to the radar itself, the better picture you're going to have. It's kind of like if I took my glasses off, I couldn't see, you know, 50 feet down here, but I could see the table in front of me. That tornado to the radar was right on the table. It was right there. So we got a clear, concise picture of it. I think that we we were getting down to the street level at, at some point saying, like, it's right on this street. In five minutes, it'll be here. So, you know, it was a bad situation. Uh, but with just the technology that's advanced, I think, you know, unfortunately people were hurt, but maybe less people were. And this was the most powerful tornado ever into, I think it was the entire state of South Carolina, right? I, I believe it's an EF4 is what the storm was actually yeah, rated. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it was the strongest. Because Maybe in it, this it was, area. It was definitely in our viewing area. Yes, the One, strongest in our viewing 100% area. 100% in our viewing area. And that's where we know all the, the tornado facts, this, that, and whatever right. for our area for sure. But the fact of the matter is that an EF4 tornado estimated winds of 175 miles an hour. That's just insane. And that was over on Lento Road. Now, another thing to talk about when you talk about rating tornadoes is the tornado itself will get rated by its highest wind, right? So the EF4 there, but the entire path of this 24 mile, 24 you know, miles length tornado was not EF4. So that's another thing that I, I want people to realize at home. It was still EF2 um, near Sprayfield Road, uh, Lena Expressway, and EF2, EF3 at that point where, you know, the National Weather Service goes out, they, they do their damage survey. But where it was an EF4, of course, it's going to retain that highest classification. And that's what we saw with that. But the entire, you know, 24-mile-long path, which is just pretty long for a tornado anyways, was not EF4. It was still damaging. It was deadly. But the EF4 portion of it was actually a smaller area. And we don't normally get uh, tornadoes that last that long. No, I or, mean, or that strong at all. Yeah, no, definitely not that strong, but certainly don't last for 24 miles. That's more something you see out in, in, in your kind of neck of the woods oh, uh, where you went to college. Traditional yes. you know, tornado alley. Yes, out there in Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas and all that good stuff out there. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's sad. You know, the max width was three quarters of a mile at one point. I mean, it's just a, ro a rotating column of violent air. And and even the National Weather Service saying that this could have had multiple vortices with it. So that means you have your, you have your initial or your main circulation that is just tearing up the ground and everything in its way. But you also have these little satellite tornadoes, what we call them, you know, it's a multi-vortex tornado at that point. And those can actually, they're a little bit more concise and smaller within the big circulation itself. Those can be where you get your EF3, EF4 ratings from other than just the big circulation itself. So it's kind of like imagine a top spinning on the table, but on the bottom of that top, you got a couple little guys on the side that are spinning kind of like drill bits. You know, it's hard to visualize, but it, it's nuts to see in person. And, and it's just something that I hope we don't have to see here for a while too. Well, let us, uh, let's hope not. But again, it's always good to be prepared. We are getting into the uh, more of the season where we normally see that you mentioned into april and into may and of mm -hmm. course we're just starting out april here so hopefully it'll be quiet but it's always good to be prepared that's why the first Alert weather team is here we are around the clock giving you all that information and all our 
uh, platforms to make sure we're giving you the information how you may get it. Some people might not be able to watch us uh, on TV all the time. Maybe they're watching us on their their first weather app. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're getting their information on our Facebook pages, our Twitter pages. However, you get the information. We're going to try to make sure you get that information to keep you informed. Yeah, and you know, last week, I just think this is kind of a fun stat because Dave and I don't usually go back and look at numbers and see, you know, how many people did we reach or this, whatever. But we do have digital folks here that do that kind of stuff, you know, because we'll do our job, put out the information and however many people see it, you know, they do. But the week where we just had that tornado warning that came into Chatham County, thankfully nothing happened with it. I was out with Dow. We weren't, quote, storm chasing, but we, we were out there. You know, if there was a storm, we'd be next to it. Right. That week of, of, you know, talking about the first alert weather day and such, we had over 2 million opens on the weather app. That's just crazy, you know? So other people, you know, use it. It's a useful tool. I would use it even if I didn't work here. So, you know, shameless plug, it's free, and it could definitely help uh, get you out of danger. And I think it's something that people have come to rely on. They know that we're going to put that information on there. They know we're going to have updated videos. We're going to have that radar on there that you can look at and to see if you're going to be impacted or not. And you can actually watch us live whenever we're, if we're in wall-to-wall coverage, we're on air and we're going to be watching it. You can watch it right there on the First Alert Weather app. So that's definitely something to uh, be uh, mindful of as we get yeah. closer to the hurricane season too. Yeah, definitely. You know, you, you and I don't like covering severe weather, but it's our job and I feel like, it, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. So hopefully you guys will utilize us as well uh, if you guys have a bit of storm anxiety. All right, I think that pretty much wraps it up here. We are uh, hoping that we do have a pretty quiet hurricane season yes. and a spring uh, severe weather season. But again, it's always good to be prepared. And the First Alert Weather Team will be here for that. That is another edition of our WTOC First Alert Weather Podcast.